Welcome to Santa Fe College. My name is Vilma Fuentes, and this is our podcast on developing global citizens. Today, we are joined by Dr. Giorgio Bianchi, uh, one of our longstanding sociology professors here at Santa Fe, and she's here to share with us uh, a lot of what she's doing in her classroom to help bring the world to our students. So, Georgia, uh, thank you for joining. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So, um, where did you grow up? Did you grow up traveling the world? Yes, so this is always a fun story because I never know where to start in terms of details. But for you, I'll start at the very beginning. <laughs> so uh, my parents are a binational family. So my mom is American. My dad's Italian. My mom basically sold all her worldly possessions and moved to Italy on love uh, and a whim. And that's where I was born and I grew up there. They make movies out of that. Uh, they, yeah, it gets even more, a little bit messy after they divorce. But, you know, okay. that, that's part of the story, too. So, but yeah, they um, eventually, my mom and my sister and myself moved back to the States. So I had a childhood really between the U.S. and Italy, uh, maintaining really strong links to both. So spending a majority of my time in the U.S. since the age of 10 and um, above, I guess, 10 and older. And, um, but going back to Italy as much as possible to see my dad and my dad's uh, side of the family. And that's continues even till today. And then, um, do you speak Italian? I do. Uh, English is my second language. So yeah. Warms my heart. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, um, my kids don't, but you know, that's, that's another conversation. Um, it's really hard to teach a language outside of the, you know, home language. But anyway, yeah, so I I grew up between the U.S. and Italy, and that's always been something that I love to go from one place to the next. Um, I feel like it was really great to have experience, deep experience in both places, because then you realize how much of everyday life is really relative to where you are and Mm Um, your horizons are a lot broader when you know that there's a lot more out there. So fast forward, you started college. Yep. Uh, what did you study and why? So I liked political science a lot, but I didn't want to be a political science major. So I actually became an international studies major, which was kind of a catch-all. I got to take mm-hmm. a lot of political science classes, but a lot of other Uh, languages and I took a linguistics class that was fascinating Um, and um, really just got to kind of get the broad general education that a lot of four-year colleges are known for Mm -hmm. um, which I feel like gave me a really good base to then move on. I did end up going to grad school twice actually so I uh, got a master's in political science from UNC Chapel Hill and theirs was an international program Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a political science degree it was called the transatlantic masters and it focused on spending six months in the U.S. and then nine months abroad among a consortium of universities so there was Bath uh, there was Sciences Po in Paris, which is where I went. There were a couple other places. I want to say one in Italy and one in Spain. And um, I was able to work with scholars in these other places, which was great. I was able to take classes in other languages, which was great because I had been studying French for a long time. So to be able to use it actually uh, on a day-to-day basis was amazing. 
So you're trilingual or you know more? Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm fluent in French. Not anymore. Okay. I was pretty good at one point, but it, without practice, it, I, yeah, it would okay. take me a little bit to get back. Can there. you order food and ask yes, for directions? Yes. yes. yes I can All right. That. There. Yes. Uh, you know, you've I, passed I a help, French too yeah. competency. Yes. No, for sure. <laughs> I can help my middle schooler with her French. So that's that helps. wonderful. Yeah. Now, uh, did you, but you ended up at UF. I did. So I love school. I'm a big old nerd and I just want to be in classes and learning all the time. So I signed up for another degree, this time a PhD. Um, I had decided that I had done what I wanted to do with political science and I moved on to sociology. Why? (laughs) That's a good question. Political science was really much more about institutions and policy and I was really just interested in people and groups and culture and why we do what we do and sociology offered me a lot of flexibility because we can still study politics Mm -hmm. but just from a slightly different angle. Mm -hmm. So I really kind of found my home in sociology and then while I was at the University of Florida I ended up getting a fellowship with the Center for European Studies um, which brought in a lot of the sort of the work that I had been doing in my master's in political science. So So the University of Florida's Center for European Studies is a Title VI center, which means they receive funding from the U.S. Department of Education to help promote the study of less commonly taught languages Mm -hmm. and help expose people to different regions of the world. Did you pick up another language while you were there? Did you travel to a new part of Europe? I did not. I kind of was stuck in my Western Europe. In fact, you're right. So the Center for European Studies, um, I believe, helped offer Czech and Polish. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to learn a lot about these places, but without necessarily going there. So we had a lot of movie nights. We had events. We had potlucks. We put out a cookbook, which was really fun. Um, where we gathered um, recipes from all over the world or, or that our faculty was from. Mm-hmm. But I really got to um, kind of work within the center and see what it looks like to promote uh, globalization within curriculum, to promote events around campus, to just really focus on how can we uh, incorporate a lot of these concepts into courses that already exist or areas and events that we might want to put on around campus. Well, this is really critically important because not everybody has the opportunity to travel abroad, but I think that's right. Right here in Gainesville, you can find, you can watch a Hungarian movie and you can eat food from a different culture and learn something new about the world through your classes. So how did you bring all this knowledge and experience to Santa Fe? Tell us what, what do you do here to help internationalize the curriculum? So um, I teach primarily intro to sociology and then marriage and the family. And I think both of those are just automatically great fits for including international content. Uh, For intro to sociology, we're really looking at what does uh, deviance look like across the world? And you can look at it within the U.S., sure, but if you bring in an international example, it's going to become much more clear. Give me an example. So we can talk about, let's see, we can talk about hand-holding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in many places across the world, physical ap- affection and physical space is a lot closer than it is in the U.S. We tend to have our personal space bubble that's a lot 
further apart. So um, what I would do is, is get some folks to come up to the front of the classroom and we would stand comfortably apart and then I would move them closer to some of the <laughs> other cultures personal space bubbles and see how they feel and they would usually start to feel a little uncomfortable and you can see that in their demeanor uh, and then I asked them how they feel and they would say generally it's a little too close so we give examples and I you know we do what is Italian uh, <laughs> space bubble look like you know um, other places around the world which is great I, I use Italy a lot because that's the you know that's the place I'm most familiar with in terms of customs but um, we have a pretty good international student body as well so it also gives people a chance to bring in their experiences if they've ever traveled abroad or if they're from another place um, we were recently just talking about current events and I have a student from Iran in one of my classes and he was able to give a really great explanation about why there's protests right now. Mm -hmm. um, so letting people both sort of experience what it might be like or what some aspect of culture might be like in another place, but then also inviting their feedback um, is a great way to just make these concrete connections. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, my own, so I've never taken sociology, maybe I should, but <laughs> but uh, thinking, uh, uh, being almost shocked walking around parts of Paris of like, oh my gosh, way too much public display of affection there, people, like keep it behind closed doors, please. You know, and that was a very American perspective. And I say that For as sure. a Latina, we're already like Hispanics are more expressive but, you know, France takes it to a whole other level. And as I, you know, presume happens also in parts of Italy. Um, but by contrast, I've seen people from, say, I want to say Pakistan, you know, that, you know, maybe two men will be walking and they can hold hands. Correct. But they're not homosexuals. It's just they're saying that they're friends. But right. that that would that would not in the u.s there would be it all sorts of different the same exactly yeah. no this, <laughs> that's a great example that's a great example so these are the sorts of things that we would bring up in a sociology class um or even in a marriage and families class when we're talking about gender right mm -hmm. um you know f physical affection between men in the u.s not you know you can do the bro hug and but it's all very active and it's not long lasting um generally speaking right. of course um, but in other places, you know, in Italy, you greet people by kissing on the cheek. No, right. That that wouldn't fly here, <laughs> right? There yeah. would be a lot more going on if that's um, if that's how you greet people. And again, a lot of people coming from other parts of the world are a little shocked that they don't get to do the air kisses. <laughs> right. So you had this personal experience in Europe, and then you followed that path and studied it even more uh, through graduate school but somehow ended up developing an incredible amount of knowledge about Jamaica, yeah. right? And maybe the Caribbean in large. Help us um, understand that. A little that. more specific about Jamaica. So um, just like my interest in Europe that stemmed from my personal experience, my interest in Jamaica also stems from a personal experience. So my husband is Jamaican, and uh, I've been fortunate and blessed, really, to spend a lot of time there visiting my in-laws and just, you know, on what a lot of folks would typically just think of as visits home. Um, when it came time to develop a study abroad program, I felt like you could really have your pick. If you wanted to go to Western Europe, there's 30,000 programs available to you. 
focusing on any subject that you might be interested in, whether it's, you know, a classic is art history, of course, or architecture, but I mean, anything you want to take and go to Italy, you can go. Um, which is, you know, I mean, I'm sure that if I developed a program, it would be great. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like I, I would just be adding on top to a very well-developed list. Whereas um, there really weren't any academic programs, study abroad programs to Jamaica that I could find. And I did a pretty thorough Google search. I looked at all of the existing, you know, EF tours and all of the other tour companies. And really most of what I could find was maybe volunteer opportunities. Mm -hmm. And those aren't necessarily going to give you the same sort of value that a study abroad program would do. So I um, was a little intimidated in terms of <laughs> developing something from scratch because at that point I hadn't really led a study abroad program. Doug Decow invited me to be the second faculty um, to on a trip to Sweden, but it happened not to make enrollment that year, so we didn't go. But that kind of bug had gotten into my ear, and I really wanted to look at, all right, well, what can we do? So I ended up trying to figure out which professors had any sort of program going on, uh, which, you know, universities had a program. And I blasted email to every one of them. One of them replied from Temple uh, University up in Pennsylvania and was like, uh, yeah, we have a great program. Also, our faculty lead just quit. So do you want to join us this summer? We leave in three <laughs> weeks. And I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm coming. Wonderful. Uh, which was great. And um, But you were teaching at Santa Fe. Yes, it was It was over the summer. So, mm -hmm. so you I, weren't teaching in the summer. So I wasn't here. teaching in the summer. So I, I did have it free. My husband suddenly got saddled with all household and child care duties for a good five <laughs> weeks. Um, but... Um, but yeah, so that, that was really my first foray into uh, what a study, a, program, a study abroad program can look like in Jamaica. And I found it to be amazing. Um, so I wanted to bring that to Santa Fe. The program that I was involved with, uh, with Temple is a five-week program. It was um, not super cost prohibitive for students, but it was because there was a lot of tuition money and academic support money that was going towards the program. So it was really subsidizing the cost. Um, and, you know, we just don't have the same sort of resource because we're not a four-year institution. We don't have, you know, we don't have a lot of the same or comparable really budgets, I would say, to a a much more established, well-established, not well-established, what do I a say? Big like, four, four yeah, year a university. big four-year university. Yeah, big four-year university, right? It's just a difference. And and also, I don't think that our students would find it necessarily super easy to just take five weeks off. So I wanted something to be cost-effective, short enough that, you know, working people, parents, et cetera, could take time off and go for a week and let's, you know, learn about Jamaica and let's learn about ourselves, really, because that's really what study abroad programs, to me, do the best is um, open up your eyes, your mind, your outlook to the wider world. And it helps you kind of find your own place uh, in where you are and where you want to be. So the program that you now lead at Santa Fe it's a one-week program, and when does that normally take place? Normally, it takes over spring break, and so we would leave, you know, the Saturday of spring break, come back the, the following Saturday, so it's, what, an eight-day trip, 
not include well, including travel so by the time you get there you know you're a little tired but Jamaica's close by we leave from Orlando we're there in a couple hours it's not a long uh, or far trip so part of me is thinking Jamaica is not really study abroad I mean they speak English they're not that different from us heck there's parts of Florida where you could get little Jamaica <laughs> let me true. not even leave Gainesville like in Gainesville at the Blount Center you could cross the street and go eat from the Jamaican Queen I think that's like yeah Caribbean the Jamaican queen. oh sorry the Caribbean <laughs> Queen is she Jamaican? She's yes, she Jamaican. Yes. yes, I'm not getting that wrong. No, no. And there's also, there's another restaurant in downtown that mm-hmm. sells Jamaican food. The name just escapes me. Reggae Shack. Reggae Shack, of course. <laughs> great onion rings, great ginger. Um, so like, why do I need to go to Jamaica? What What am I going to get in Jamaica that I can't get right here in Gainesville or in Florida? Um... That's a good question. <laughs> I think that being there is just, it's, it's completely different. I mean, you're in a majority black country. Yes, they speak English, but they also speak Patua, which is a little bit different. If you've ever listened to the music, then you'll know that it's, uh, it's a very, very cool language that adopts many um, West African grammar and words and uh, some French words, some, and there's just a melange of culture. Um, this has a sizable Chinese uh, immigrant population. That's where patties come from. Um, sizable Indian population as well. The landscape is different. The cities look different. The goats and the dogs on the road are different. Um, housing? Housing, sure. Um, you know, a lot of students coming from Florida are going to look at these half-built houses and think poverty, but really these are, you know, folks who are in the U.S. who send down a little bit of money at a time and build their retirement home piece by piece. Mm-hmm. So you can see even something as simple as what does a house look like and how does it get built? Even that process is different from what you might be used to. And having that moment of being like, oh, I assumed something, but it's actually not correct. Mm-hmm. Um, what to me looks like poverty is, is actually wealth. I mean, that can be something that stays with you, right? That can be a moment where the next time you make an assumption, you're going to say, oh, well, you know, the last time I did this, I wasn't quite right. So maybe, maybe I should ask or ask a question or maybe I should see if I can look at this from a different perspective. So... Traveling abroad or even taking a course like Intro to Sociology that exposes you to the world um, can also help us understand diversity in America, right? So again, using that example of the Caribbean queen that's across Mm -hmm. the street from the the Blunt Center, Mm -hmm. what is the connection between these international experiences and uh, diversity in the U.S.? Well, um, it's interesting because for a long time we've had this conversation about um, globalization, internationalization. Are they the same thing? When we think about diversity, is it only within country? Is it between countries? And I think that for a sociology class, the concepts are so broad that you really can think about you know, diversity even from the main campus to one of our, um, you know, the Archer campus or the Stark campus. If we talk about um, cultures and norms and values, there's going to be differences even within this, what, 50-mile radius maybe? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
having examples that span from sort of the hyper-local to the international, I hope can help our students see that there's really, you know, there's, there's a lot that ties us together, but there's all sorts of different experiences within that, all sorts of different points of view, um, begin, you know, places that we start from, and then we all come together and have a conversation. So uh, I hope that both within my class, but also within study abroad, we can make these connections between uh, between people, essentially, right? Because that's that's what we want to be. We are an interconnected people now, uh, maybe more so than ever, and we should strive to try to to make that communication clear and have everybody's, you know, minds open. I guess ready to 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 question a few things, question a few assumptions. Well, I'm delighted. Uh, that you're at Santa Fe <laughs> and that you're opening the minds of our students and all these uh, ways. We'll see. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. And I really appreciate uh, your being here today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much.